0: Well, at the end of our time together this morning, you'll have the opportunity to do just that, to come to Christ, to give your life to Him, to trust Him as your Savior. If you are here this morning and you have never, uh, ever given yourself to Jesus Christ, then uh, I hope by the end of our time together this morning, you will have discovered that He alone Uh, Is the answer for all the needs that you have, and He uh, will provide uh, all that you need. He indeed is a great Savior. Well, this is the last sermon in this series called Worried. It's been so good. I have so enjoyed it, and uh, I am growing and learning myself. And so this morning, we come to this final uh, sermon in the series, and Probably the thing that if we were to vocalize it worries us most the judgment that comes at the end of life. What happens when you die and are judged? Are you judged? If so, what does it look like? What will happen? How will it feel? A new study has found that the average person is holding on to 13 secrets, five of which they have never told a living soul. And it's not the secret according to the study that haunts you, it's all the mental energy you spend thinking about it. New research shows that some people actually feel physically heavier when they're burdened with the secret And that extra weight can actually skew how they navigate their surroundings. A researcher by the name of Sleepian and his team examined 13,000 real-life secrets to figure out what people are keeping secrets about. What it's like to have a secret and why secret keeping has overwhelmingly been viewed as a negative human experience. The secrets involve things like telling a lie, harming someone, drug use, theft, violating someone's trust, sexual infidelity, or a secret hobby. Uh, The research team then asked participants how often their minds wandered to think about those secrets in the past month and how often they found themselves in situations that forced them to actively conceal their secrets. Secrets were far more likely to come to the fore of someone's mind when they were alone with their thoughts, rather than when they were in social situations. In other words, we spend way more mental energy mulling over our secrets on our own time, than actively trying to conceal them. So when we think of the judgment seat of Christ, the thought that must go through our mind is all our secrets are out. There there are no more secrets then. And if the average person has 13 of them, five of which they've never told a single person in their lives, then the thought of judgment uh, can be horrifying. Yet Paul says here, look at verse 6, so we are always of good courage. And he follows that by saying, judgment is coming. How, Paul, can you say we are always of good courage and judgment is coming? We've got to figure that out. We've got to dive deeper in and discover, is there some reason for Paul's words that the judgment uh, should not discourage us, but rather we are encouraged? Well, let's look at those reasons. Number one, we are always encouraged Because we see Jesus now. So on Sunday mornings, I get up early and uh, have a cup of coffee and pray through the sermon. It's uh, what I do to prepare my heart to preach the word to you. Uh, The sermon I haven't looked at in several days until Sunday morning. And I pick it up again and I pray through line by line of of the sermon uh, as i was doing that this morning i realized something and and i would uh, say all right change this or add to it we are always encouraged because we see jesus now and he sees us too we are always encouraged because we see jesus now and he sees us too let me uh, explain. Uh, so we're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. How is it that we have good courage while we are away from the Lord? Well, the answer is we walk by faith, uh, not by sight. Uh, if you go back into the Old Testament times, Israel, when they left Egypt, they, believe it or not, didn't have to walk by faith as you and I do. They did it. You say, what do you mean? Well, by day, they had a pillar, a cloud. By night, they had a pillar of fire. Uh, they did not have to trust a God at least whose symbol or representation they could not see, as you do. If you trust God today, you trust a God you have never put your eyes on. You have never physically seen him. And so for me to preach to you and for you to show up this morning means that if you're here and you're a believer at some point in your life, you decided a God who is invisible to you was yours and you trusted his son as your savior and you decided to follow a God you could not see who would take you to places you did not know. And he would not put road signs out for you. There would be no uh, airplanes with messages behind them saying this is where you ought to go, this is what you ought to do. You stepped out at some point in faith. The Israelites had a visual. They had the fire at night. And how did they know where to go? They went where the fire went. They went where the smoke, where the cloud went. That's how they knew where to go. You and I walk by faith. How? Verse five. Let's back up one verse. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. When you come to God by faith in Christ, immediately the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. Immediately. We do not wait for his baptism later. We, we don't do that. No, immediately the Spirit of God comes to live within you. And when he does, he is a guarantee now of how things are going to be then. He is a guarantee. He is the one who leads you. Uh, Jesus in John 14 he said these words to the disciples they're a bit uh, saddened because he says he's leaving and here's what he says to them and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper capital H another helper the Holy Spirit is a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus says to his disciples whom uh, he's hung out with for three years, I'm leaving, but I care so much about you. I'm leaving someone with you. He is the Holy Spirit. He will be your helper. Later in verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So when you come to God by faith in Jesus Christ, God gives you the Spirit The Spirit lives in you. Let me look at all of these. Just pull the words out from these two verses alone. Helper. It is the word in the Greek where we get our word paraklete. uh, To call alongside When you come to God by faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit immediately is called alongside you. And for the rest, not just of your life here, but eternity, Jesus says, he will be with you. How long? Forever. The Holy Spirit is by your side. When you wake in the morning, when you go to bed at night. When when you are in the middle of your day, when you're taking a a quiz or a final, when you are uh, trying to decide which school to attend, which girl to date, which guy to go out with, the Holy Spirit is with you every step, every moment, every time, never ever leaves you. He is your helper. He doesn't take a vacation. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't go anywhere. He is with you. When you're in middle school, when you're in high school, when you are in college, when you are a new new adult, when you are newly married, when you are old and aged and you wonder how life is going to be toward the end, the Holy Spirit is with you. Wow. So let me ask you a question. It's a legit question. You may may think differently if you had your choice. Would you have a fire out there that at night lit? And and, and you could have a pillar of cloud by day. You go, oh, there's the cloud, right? Yeah, it was invented way, the cloud is not new. (laughs) Just saying, all right? So there's the cloud, there's the cloud, follow that. Or what if what if Jesus says hey when I leave I'm going to give you my spirit and he will come alongside you and he will never leave you he will never forsake you he's a helper he will be with you forever he's the spirit of truth what does that mean he takes truth and he illuminates it that's what he does Have you ever been reading the Bible and something just jump off the page at you and you'd read that before? But that day, that moment, all of a sudden, boom, Like whoa, whoa, what is that? It's the spirit of truth. He's taking the word of God. If you go to Ephesians 6 and you look at the, the, the armor, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So the spirit wields the word, the sword, to work in our lives the spirit of truth the world doesn't see him or know him all right what does that mean please hear me please hear me students so many young people in this service many many more in the next one please hear me the reason that you will hear and respond in one way when you're in school and somebody else will hear and respond, another is because the world does not know the Spirit, but you do. If you know Christ and Christ is in you, the Spirit is speaking constantly, persistently, guiding, leading, you do. You know Him. He dwells with you and not only around you, but in you. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you, Jesus says. The Holy Spirit is like a divine Google, right? And he's going to bring up everything that God says. And he is the spirit of Jesus. All right, say, Jerry, we're not to the judgment yet. But yeah, we're talking about life here and now. And in the life here and now, we know Jesus, and Jesus knows us. So we can be encouraged because we we, uh, see Jesus now. He sees us now. Secondly, we are of good courage because we will see Jesus then. We will see him then. You say, what do you mean? Let's jump in. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. All right, so let's talk about this for a moment. If you get a choice, we don't, but if you get a choice of who your judge is going to be, what are some things you're going to look for in a judge? I have sadly uh, been to court on more than one occasion because I I don't drive well. (laughs) It's true. I don't. um, If you happen to text me while I'm driving, any of you who've done that, uh, you will get this colorful text in return that says, uh, I'm not receiving text messages, and if you know my driving record, you're grateful. That's what my text uh, return says. I remember when I was in college, it was a dumb thing, but I was in college and I come home and I went to school in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I come home uh, for the weekend And in the church, little church I attended, the windows were all stained glass, so you couldn't see anything outside. Uh, Kind of like in here, if the uh, in here, unless it's pouring rain, like it was a moment ago. uh, You just don't know the weather. And so that morning, we're in worship, and you know the way I grew up, you really get with it. You know, it it takes a while. No one hour service, so we were in worship for a while, and uh, we come out, and when we do. there's snow everywhere. It had started snowing. Well, my little 1979 Plymouth Horizon wasn't made for snow. But I had to get back to Wofford. And so I get in my vehicle as soon as I grab my things and I head down 221 South, headed to college and I turn on the radio uh, and I remember for some crazy reason Georgia Tech was playing basketball. I don't remember who they were playing and I am just booking it down 221. Snow is everywhere. Cars are off the road. I'm oblivious because that's the way I drive like I I I mean it really is the way I drive I was just oblivious to what was going on and so uh, so much so that once the cop got me pulled I'm sorry Rodney uh, but once he got me pulled turns out he had followed me for almost two miles I just didn't have a clue. I just didn't know he was nearby. And so when he finally got to my window, he chewed me out. I mean he like let me have it. Do you not know the weather? Have you not seen I have been out here all night pulling people off of this highway and you're driving and you're speeding, you're doing all of this it's just ridiculous. Do you have no clue? And I just sat there like yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, and thinking, I'm dead. Like the guy's gonna just shoot me. I'm done. You know, he's so angry. So, of course, I got a deserved ticket. I remember then going to court in Chesney. I had to go to court in Chesney. And I remember going to court, and uh, I thought, I can't handle this. My insurance can't. I paid it all myself. My insurance can't handle it. And I remember praying for what? A good what? Judge. Yes. And I was a good student but I thought if you walk in there with the textbook and you read it the whole time, he will have mercy on you. Like, honestly, I thought, just take your history book. And I did, I took my history text and I remember walking into court and I sat down and I was dressed nice and I read the whole time, just read. And he called me up. And so he said, what were you doing? And uh, I went through all it. It was awful. And, uh, and yes sir, and yes sir, and yes sir. And he said, "What's that book you're holding?" Yes. <laughs> yes. I said, "Sir, it's my history textbook from college." "Oh, you're a college student?" Yes. "Where do you go to school?" "Wafford." "Oh, I graduated from there." "Yes." Yes, 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 and yes, right? I'm like, you're my man, you know? You identify with me, yes. And then he said, I'll let you off this time. (sighs) Yes, right? We all want a judge like that. We all want a judge like that. And the question is, in your mind that looms large, is, will Jesus be a good judge? Will he let me off the hook? Is he, is he going to just kind of you know, pat me on the hand and say, hey, you're free to go. Let's find out. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due. For what he has done in the body, that's right here, right now, whether good or evil. All right, here is your question. And I put it to you this morning, and I want you to hear me. My question to you is, are you a church member? No. Are you a good person? No. Did you grow up in a Christian home? No, those are not the questions I'm asking or the scripture is asking. Here it is. If you want to please Jesus now, you will want to please him in heaven. If you don't want to please Jesus now, you won't want to please him in heaven. That's the reality. If you sit here this morning and for some reason think that an accumulation of good works somehow tip the scales in your favor. They don't. If you desire to please him now, then there's some place that that comes from that will and can affect then. Do you see how these are connected? Uh, This leads to the judgment. Uh, So let's jump in. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So uh, you can't avoid it. All right? You can't avoid it. Before the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus is the judge. Is that good news? Yes, it is. That is the best news we could get this morning when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ. You say, Jerry, why? Why is it good news that Jesus is the judge? Number one, he's been one of us. All right? If you want a judge who understands, right, he's been you. He became one of you. The incarnation says God wrapped himself in human flesh. All right? So God the Father has never been one of you. And God the Spirit has never been one of you. But God the Son has And so if we get any judge, if we get any member of the Trinity, this is the one we want. Amen? He's walked in your shoes. He's felt your pain. He's been tempted, Scripture says, like you are, yet without sin. So there is a judge who is sitting on the throne, sitting on the judgment seat, who knows what it is to be in human skin. All right, before the judgment seat of Christ. Number two reason that it's good that it's Jesus is that on the cross, when Jesus died for your sins on the cross, he took God's wrath against your sins on himself. He took that. I'll deal with that in a moment. But he did. So he has borne the ultimate punishment for your sins already in himself on the cross. That is the gospel. Let's dig a little deeper. That each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. What you do now affects the judgment. No doubt. Your Actions in the body now affect the judgment then. So why the judgment? First Corinthians four five says that the Lord will come and quote bring to light the hidden things, the secrets of darkness, and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's this is interesting. Praise will come from God. That's fascinating. All right? So, at the judgment, will your secrets be revealed? Yes. But according to 1 Corinthians 4, 5, once they are, each one's praise is what it says. Each one's praise. Write that down. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Each one's praise will come from God. Well, you say, well, what, how does that work? If at the judgment, my secret sins and all of this are going to be revealed, how in the world is there going to be praise? If there's going to be secret sins, how can there also be praise? Do you know we mimic this right now in our culture without realizing it? How do we mimic it? All right, so we have a whole baseball team here. And I presume at the end of the season, I presume this, not sure exactly how college goes, but you know, high school goes this way. They do awards, right? And so there's, you know, some kind of banquet or whatever deal there is. You've attended these things, right? So, so we're going to presume this is before the era of everybody gets a trophy. All right. So we're going to say we're not into that. And, um, so, we're going to say that what happens there is a coach gets up and he's going to talk about the team's year, and, or she's going to do that. We've been to several of these. Our daughter played high school, college uh, volleyball. And our son plays football and basketball. And so, we've been to a lot of these things. And what happens? I've yet to go to one where a coach gets, gets up and says, Well, this is the most unimproved player of the year. Yeah, he got worse. Yeah, uh, this would be our worst defensive player right here. This is our worst one. He could not guard anything. She could have let a kindergartner past her. I've just never heard that. I'm not saying it's not happened, but I've not heard that, right? I don't know if they still do it, but back in the day, they voted on these things in high school. I've never heard of most likely to fail. Right? No, they were called superlatives. Most likely to succeed. All of these things are, we mimic this already. According to 1 Corinthians 4, 5, while all your secrets will be revealed, only the good will be emphasized each one will receive his what? Praise. That's what it says. Right there. MacArthur says, thus the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ is to examine a Christian's total life. We will be recompensed for the deeds we have done, whether good or bad. He says the term there refers to a summing up and estimation of the total pattern of a believer's life. Don't miss that. The total pattern of a believer's life. This overall focus should keep us from worrying over every stupid thing we've ever done or thoughtless sin we have committed. It's a time of reward, not punishment. Wow, this week we have thought so much, haven't we, of Billy Graham just all week. Just thought of Billy Graham and his passing and I've loved the coverage. Just the wonderful things that have been celebrated about his life. Over the, just the last probably six months, his grandson Will and I have developed a, a bit of a friendship. And I sent a text to Will and he texted me back and he said, Among other things, one day you will hear that Billy Graham is dead, but don't believe it. For on that day, I will be more alive than ever. That's what Billy Graham said. I thought a little experiment would be helpful. I don't think any of us can imagine Billy Graham showing up to heaven and God having anything but good to say. But if you were to talk to Billy Graham about that, he can imagine all the good or the bad that God could say. You say, Jerry, what are you saying? I'm afraid when it comes to the judgment seat, we're, we're hardest on ourselves. Why? Because we know those 13 secrets. And I'm afraid those 13 secrets keep us from receiving the grace of God. I mean, I look around the room and I know a lot of junk on you guys. (laughs) We've been at this for a long time. But when I think of you standing before the Lord... I don't think of that, but I'm afraid you do. Last night, there was a wedding in here, And when people roasted the bride and the groom and dad and mom did different things, they didn't point out failures. Somehow, this escapes our thinking and our hearts. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ to set you free from the law of sin and death. If there's no condemnation now, there will be no condemnation then. He's not going to come back and surprise you with some a big old dose of condemnation at the judgment. Why are you worried? Why are you worried? Why are you worried about the judgment? Revelation twenty twelve, and I saw the dead, great, small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, plural, according to what they had done. Are there books? Yes, there are. Do they record what you've done? Yes, they do. So will our sins be brought up that day? Anthony Hokema, theologian, puts it this way. The failures and shortcomings of believers will enter into the picture on the day of judgment. But, and this is the important point, The sins and shortcomings of believers will be revealed in the judgment. Look at this. Wow. That's what? Say it loud, church. That's what? Forgiven sins. Aren't you glad? Whose guilt has been totally covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? You see, there are books, and there is a book. And if these books trump this book, we're all in trouble. Right? These books tell everything we've done. This book tells who we belong to. Here's what John Piper says. He says when God opens the books, he'll find A work, B work, C work, D work, and F work. Amen? He will. We all have it, don't we? We have A work. We've done great things. But then we've bombed out at times, haven't we? It's life. He says, but then when he opens the book of life and finds your name there, and then I quote, then he will open another file, the book of life, and find your name because you're in Christ through faith. Behind your name will be, I love this image, a wood stick match made from the cross of Jesus. He will take the match Light it and set the F pile with all your failures and deficiencies on fire and burn them up. They will not condemn you. They will not reward you. You say, how in the world could that happen? Well, the next athletic banquet you go to, watch and see. See. That's how. Well, then there's this question that would roll perhaps through some of your minds. Our praise team is going to come. We're going to have an invitation for you to come this morning and receive Christ. You know what the question is? Wow, I could sin all I want to. Well, that'd be about as dumb as being on a basketball team and fouling out in the first two minutes. Why would you want to do that? They don't have an award. For most foul outs. Why would you want to do that? And could I say something to you this morning? If that thought goes through your mind. I'm going to be rather bold here to say. I don't think you know Christ. I think if you sit here this morning. and You say I can sin all I want to sin then. Then that means you want to sin a lot. And at the judgment. You unless something changes. Will go to hell to spend eternity apart from God. That's what Jesus said. So I think there are probably two kinds of folks who need to do business with God this morning. There are those of you who are very, very much in the guilt mode and you think that God is waiting at the judgment to pounce on you. It colors your life and you feel so distant from Him. If that is you, this song is for you. There are others of you who are lost. You dread the judgment and you should Because it is there that when the books are open and your book is, your name is not found in the book of life, you will spend all of eternity in hell, separated from God and goodness forever. And the descriptions of that place And that experience are horrific. We say, "Wow, Jerry, that's that's a bit old-fashioned." Yeah, it's the gospel. Jesus spoke of hell more than heaven. Actually, let's stand. I'll be here. Adrian will be here. Al, Michael will be here. If the spirit is working respond to his call